You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. I'm your new host, Craig Hemke. And, of course, on the line for your Friday update, we have Chairman Eric Sprott. Eric, welcome back. How are you this morning? Hey, Craig. I'm glad to be here and uh, glad to see uh, you've joined the Sprott Money team. I've uh, admired the work you've done for a very long time and always look forward to uh, your interviews and articles. So uh, this should be a lot of fun for both of us. Eric, thank you. I, I can't tell you. It's really an honor and a privilege, and I, I really appreciate it. Um, all right, my friend. It is Friday morning, December the 4th, and just a few minutes ago, we got that last major economic number before the most important FOMC meeting of all time, as they say. And a uh, jobs number here in the U.S. of plus 211,000. Um, there are some internals that don't look so fuzzy, but obviously the, the markets have responded. What do you make of all this, Eric? Well, Craig, uh, and I'm sure you're very much in this camp. <clears throat> uh, most of us in the uh, gold community are those looking at the real economy have never uh, taken to heart some of these numbers because of the obvious uh, flaws in the uh, calculation of same. And, uh, you know, you look around at what's going on in the real world, and, you know, bank after bank's laying off people, the oil industry's laying off people, the mining industry's laying off people, and the transportation industry sucks. And then, you know, we end up with these huge job reports. Mm-hmm. Some of it's a little weak. The uh, work week shrank a little uh, last week. Uh, but I'm just not a believer. I mean, I, one of the things I always fall back on when I'm looking at the economy is that uh, the personal income just doesn't grow. I think they announced that hourly wages were up to 2%, so we're up at 2.4% a year. And of course, they always want us to believe that inflation is less than 2%. But I, I really believe when you look at the heart of the matter in the U.S., you know, when people are getting those um, medical care premium increases, that's wiping out, you know, it, 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 the whole, that, that in itself is over 2% inflation for yep. a typical person. So there's just no way that anyone can imagine that the economy can get strong. Uh, we've seen some examples even this week. Uh, reading an article about Class 8 truck sales, these are the large uh, uh, trucks, that travel in the highs. I think they're down something like 80%. They fell, I think they said fell like 29% in October month over month. And of course, we got all these, the, the data on Caterpillar, which is a huge CapEx thing, and they're, they've been down for, I don't know, 35 months in a row. So you can see that the the underpinnings of the, uh, the economic recovery are not there. These are huge expenses that uh, people would make. Um, the only uh, source of strength has been really the auto side because of the zero interest rates and extending of loans and subprime auto loans and all that stuff. So uh, that's the one way that central planners have sort of been able to keep it together, that and housing to a, a lesser extent. But that's all based on the false premise that uh, in the long run, interest rates should be zero or negative now. And we, you and I both know that that's not going to last over time. So I just don't believe there's any economic recovery going on. I think the Atlanta Fed came out and said their new projection for the quarter is uh, 1.4% GDP growth this quarter. So, you know, they can print all the job numbers they want to print. Uh, I think if with people with their eyes wide open realize that the quality of jobs and, and undoubtedly the number of jobs is not nearly as as uh, strong as it being suggested by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Yeah, and, you know, if, if you can see it and I can see it, and as you said, anybody with their eyes wide open can see it, um, why is it, do you think, then, that uh, that Janet Yellen and her friends at the 
uh, Federal Reserve are so hell-bent and insistent upon raising rates. It, it, at this point, you read the financial media, it seems like a fait accompli. Now, again, it seemed like a fait accompli in March, in June, and in September, and nothing happened. But that's coming up a uh, week after next. We've got only about uh, 10 or 11 days to go. Eric, do you have any thoughts on uh, what we're going to see on December 16th? Well, I, I presume that the first part of the question is why do they want to raise rates? I think they want to raise rates to to give some indication that they still have some control of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found, it, I found it so ironic that uh, Chairman Yellen now calls the 07-08 fiasco the Great Recession. Where did she come up with that term, the Great Recession? I know exactly why she came up with that term. Most of it calls, most of it calls, most of us call it the financial crisis, which of course would put the onus back on the Fed, right? Because the Fed was in charge. Yep. Now she calls it the Great Recession, in order to swing it from well something that was caused by the economy versus something that was caused by the Fed. And I think you know these central planners have to keep control of things, so they they spin it the way they want. And uh, when I, for example, watched the Yellen comments and I saw the Q&A after, and every time there was a new question, she'd go to a new sheet of paper that she had sitting in front of her, <laughs> which, of course, she was prepared for the question, right? Here's the question. Yeah, Here's all, yeah. all what you're going to say. And it was so choreographed. It was a joke. Uh, so I think the Fed realizes people are losing confidence in the Fed because we don't have an economic recovery. But they, they have to spin it like, well, things are so so good that we can afford to raise rates uh, 25 basis points here. I mean, they might do it. They might also not do it. But I don't know how they wouldn't do it now with, you know, the incoming data, supposedly, whereas the, and the job number is supposed to be the most important piece of data, kind of supports the, the rate increase. So, fine. Let's have the rate increase. I'd probably like to get it over with, Craig, because since 2006, you know, they've been threatening to raise rates. The price of gold gone down from nineteen hundred to thousand and fifty because the Fed was going to raise rates, right. which they hadn't done yet. Right. And uh, even in her comments, you know, she really stressed that the new normal rate would be lower, and if we raise once, doesn't mean we're going to raise twice. And she gave herself all kinds of room to step away from further rate increase. So I don't think anybody's really worried about significantly higher interest rates, if you know what I mean, over over a over the uh, immediate term. Yeah, and, and you know, we've speculated at my side about the idea that it could even be a sell the rumor, buy the news type of event, that once it's finally over with, if that's in fact what's going to happen, that, oh, well, that's not so bad. And we remove that kind of boogeyman that has been lurking in the shadows, as you said, now for two and a half, three years. Um, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to ask well, you, you just that. Imagine, you can just imagine, Craig, when they bring out the rate increase. You know what they're going to stress? Well, there's not going to be another one for a while. Right. Unless the data continues, you know, and you know, it could be one and done or one in QE. Who knows what it's going to be? But uh, it's it's not to be believed that it's any meaningful change in interest rate policy. And I'm sure the Fed will communicate that. But you know, we still got to wait and see what the data is. And of course, the data is likely to continue to weaken because per pe- people's incomes not, are not going up. Right, exactly. And as that dovetails into the end of the year, I, I wanted to ask you about your own personal experience. You've been at this for so long, Eric. Uh, you know, it's December. Uh, the prices have already been beaten down this year. Gosh, almost, I guess, a little over 10%. W- what's your experience been with December in the first in the, you know, the first month or two of the year? Is it seasonally a good time, not only for physical uh, metal, but also for paper? 
Uh, I mean, do you have any personal, I guess, the thoughts as to what sure. people might expect <laughs> for the next 60, 90 days? Well, as you know, the Chinese New Year has become a very, very significant time for physical gold here because the Chinese have been such massive buyers of gold. Uh, and that, I think, is in February this year, early Feb. So I suspect you'll see a significant demand there. It's interesting that, uh, you know, you talk about the seasonal demand. Uh, demand has been strong all year. Right. <laughs> I mean, we just got the third quarter data from the U.S. man, and their coin sales were up. And I can't even admit the coin sales were up. We had China come in in the last quarter as a, as a an announced buyer of gold, as distinct from an unannounced buyer of gold in the previous quarter. So, I mean, all the demand data is as strong as we could possibly want it. So, and of course, now you have also the seasonal strength. Um, but I, would, of course, would have argued, have argued uh, on on these interviews before that the physical market is as robust as we could possibly want. We had. Uh, India import 101 tons in the month of November, which is a very, very strong number. So, yeah, the seasonal demand may carry on here in the physical markets. The bigger question you and I will discuss, I'm sure, later is COMEX and, and who determines the price. So, uh, But I have no uh, fear of the physical market not, uh, not staying strong. It's been as robust as can be this year. Craig, one of the things we should talk about, though, is the actual COMEX positioning here because that's the funniest thing that's going on. And, you know, when they, we had the September 15th uh, non-rate increase, and then all of a sudden these buyers, I think there's like 90,000 contracts coming, the price of gold goes up to, to 1190 and the commercials sold them every contract short. And then we come up with the minutes from the October meeting, and all of a sudden the price of gold goes down, and we've had the commercials buy back every one of those contracts. And... I think they bought back something like 150,000 contracts here, which yep. is a million houses of gold. And uh, we have one more report coming out this afternoon, and I would guess again, because gold hit new lows during that time period, that they may have massively re reversed their position. So from a paper point of view, we've now got the circumstances that we want where the commercials are long and the, the hedges are short. So... I think, and you, of course, you've written about this many times, that what goes on in the paper market is more important for price than what goes on in the physical market. Now, that will change someday if and when, you know, somebody takes those last three tons out of the uh, out of the COMEX. But I think it's important for the listeners to know that uh, we're setting up in the paper markets for a price increase, and we've always had a good market in the physical market for a price increase. It just wasn't able to manifest itself because of the structure on COMEX. And, and the stresses certainly seem to be there, no question about it, as you said. The, the level of what I call bank leverage on the COMEX, how many times they have multiplied the physical ounces that are available for delivery into paper ounces is at extremes we've never seen before. And I so, know. gosh, and, you just wonder and, if how much, how much more stress it can take. Well, we can only go from here to infinity, right? Because That's if somebody right. takes it three times, you have an infinite number. So, uh, it'll be fun to see, and I know you've been been on that case, and I enjoy reading your articles on it. And uh, believe me, I'm honored to be able to have this uh, chat with you every week, and I'll look forward to it uh, going forward. Eric, it'll be fun, and and as we get into next week, that might be a, a topic for the whole segment next week because we'll be uh, twiddling our thumbs waiting for that uh, FOMC meeting on December 16th. That'll be the the big news, uh, certainly over the next ten days. 
It has right. been a pleasure, my friend. I very much look forward to doing this on a weekly basis, and I want to thank you for the opportunity and the invitation. And uh, and from here, just wish you a great rest of your day. Great. Well, welcome aboard, and uh, look forward to uh, our further chats. All the best. Thanks, Eric. Have a great day. Okay. Okay. Bye. Great.